0: This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. My name is Larry Lannan, and our podcast guest today is Jocelyn Vare. Jocelyn Vare is one of two Democrats on the nine-member Fishers City Council. She has just... Completed? Not quite. I guess it's a little more than. She's completed a little more than her first year on yes. her stint and her term on the council. So, Jocelyn Bear, welcome back once again.
1: Thank you. Always nice to talk to you, Larry. Thanks.
0: Well, and uh, we are going to jump right into the many issues facing the council and, and yourself. Yes. So, I will start off with the February 19th City Council meeting. At that meeting, you proposed a new system for making city council appointments to boards and commissions. I won't get in, you can get into detail, I won't get into all the detail. You wanted to make some changes and put a process in place. That proposal was voted down by a vote of 7 to 2. You and your fellow Democrat, Sam DeLong, were the only votes for that proposal. Now, in a recent podcast with me, Council President Selina Stoller described your proposal as, and I'm quoting here, pulling something together at the 11th hour close the quote. Selena and the Council Vice President David George criticized you for only sharing your proposal the same morning as the council meeting. So how do you respond to that?
1: Sure. Well, um, that is a fair concern. However, I'll first start off by saying I really, and I know we will do this, get to the merits of my concern, not necessarily the timing or the method that those concerns were raised. But the only thing I will say about the timing per se is the timing I present something to my fellow counselors, a concern, a suggestion, a proposal in this case, is directly correlated to the timing of when I get information. And in this particular case, I received information literally about the slate, the exact slate of appointments, less than 24 hours before the meeting. So when you think of it that way, I was actually quite prompt. Um, but actually, even before that, it took weeks for me to acquire information from the administration about, I asked for the rundown of all the current sitting appointments and who appointed them, when their term ended, um, all that information that frankly, certainly was not a practice of a city councilor to review before these appointments were made. And then in addition to that, I asked for um, the entire like download of the applications that had been received from citizens who expressed interest in participating in a board and commission. So, unfortunately, yes, this was not the perfect timing. However, I want to be clear about this. It was not too late. It was not too late. Something could have been done if the majority of the council had agreed that they wanted to get some improvements made and done.
0: Uh, Selena also criticized you for mentioning some people with, quote, multiple appointments, unquote. She's claiming that you don't understand the system. For example, members on the Plan Commission also serve on the Board of Zoning Appeals, the Plan Unit Development Committee, and there are all sorts of people who are on one commissioner board and and based on the guidance are actually on Another board. How do do you respond to that?
1: Yes, so that that is absolutely true. And I would like to think that I understand things pretty well as best as I can, um, because I certainly try to do so. Um, I think if we would have had a robust conversation about this, I could have explained that my point of bringing that fact up was that really puts a bigger weight on the few appointments that the city council has. So, it's it's absolutely true the city council only makes some appointments, but because some of those appointments serve in multiple roles, it makes it all the more crucial that those appointments are thoughtful.
0: Selena also described your proposal, quoting here again, unrealistic and individualistic, saying that uh, she gave you a chance to work with the majority on these appointments, but that you went forward yourself. That's essentially what, to paraphrase, mm-hmm. but that's what she said during the Podcast I had with her, and she also claims that you've damaged relationships on the council. What's your view of that?
1: Well, again, and I know we'll get to this, but I would like to talk about the the merits of the actual concern. Um, I I will say that um, I'm I always want to be collaborative. I always want to work together. That's um, very important to me and frankly, very necessary for me. Um, So definitely, it's not individualistic if during my multiple touch points of conversation before this meeting, um, I even suggested, hey, if someone from the majority wants to move this forward, I'll be a supporting role. Um, What's important is we get good work done. So- I, I will say i'm I'm certainly not perfect, but something that I believe in and I work towards is to be as collaborative and open as possible. And frankly, that's why I provided my colleagues the the day of the meeting, shortly after I, I received the slate of appointments to review, a, a very clear um, understanding of my concern broke it down, and explained what they could expect from me at the meeting. I don't want anyone to be caught off guard.
0: And if anyone wants to see your presentation, uh, it is on the video that is up on the uh, city uh, the city's website for the February – is that February? I meant January.
1: Yes, January. I said February. It was course, January 19th, yes. I gotta,
0: yes, this is what happens when you have a senior citizen. Oh,
1: no. But uh, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe it's February.
0: <laughs> well, but, and,
1: but and if I – if I could toss in, like, the meeting minutes have been posted, posted mm-hmm. promptly. And I am grateful for City Clerk Jennifer Kale. She um, uh, transcribed or had the transcription of my remarks. So it might be easier to read it, too. Either way.
0: So just, and again, it was a lengthy statement and a very detailed proposal it was you made. <laughs> so for the sake of the audience, it's out there on the minutes, and you could watch it on the at the end of the video of the January 19th yes. meeting. Yes. Uh, so just to, and, and briefly, describe number – by the way, you also gave out some, some numbers, statistics, which nobody challenged. Right. But uh, explain what your proposal was uh, just sure. briefly for the audience.
1: Yes, thank you. So the the crux of my concern was that the overall makeup of the current appointments on all the boards and commissions that are part of our city government – are not representative of the diversity of our community. And that is represented by a few different facts, but certainly the the big one is that it's 80 percent – the makeup, the total makeup is 80 percent white men. And so that leaves very little seats left represented by women, persons of color – Uh, persons with disabilities or representative of the LGBTQ community and everyone else, right? So that's my concern. And in addition to that, I pointed to it seems like the process could be improved. Um, Excuse me, it definitely could be improved. Because as a city councilor, I felt like There was no information available to me. It took me a while to procure it and certainly no conversation with my colleagues on the city council. So I really was trying to make some improvements so that these appointments are very thoughtful and very considerate of the diversity of our community and very thoughtful about the current makeup and the sitting participants already. So I won't go through the entire proposal, but just um, kind of the highlights. One of the first things I mentioned is we really need to have a better audit of the folks that are sitting on the current positions. Um, it seems to be a practice that those appointments just keep rolling over. And although terms expire, those same individuals get to keep their seats. Now, that could be a good Uh, definitely worthwhile, but it needs to be evaluated. And when I saw that 47 individuals from our community in the last two years took the time to fill out a very detailed application asking to be considered for these appointments, they deserve to be looked at. To this day, I don't think any of those um, uh, applications had been evaluated. And I can tell you, because I'm certain about this, None of those applicants had been contacted or even acknowledged that their application had had been received. So we could, well, I I have to say, not all forty-seven. Okay, but I'll be honest with you. I've been an applicant for several years, and I never knew where where that application went. But I do know for a fact some current applicants were never contacted. But. Um, so, a good audit. Uh, we are also concerned that there are many um, qualifications for some of the seats. We want to be sure that those qualifications are being met precisely. Uh, one of my suggestions, which I thought was actually very collaborative, was just to have a nomination committee representative of the, the council, three individuals, two from the majority, two Republicans, one Democrat three people to work together, evaluate all those applications, really think it through, and make some very wise recommendations for the entire council to regard. I'll tell you what, as a, you know, I'm a voting member of this city council. Yes, I'm in the minority, but I have a vote. And there is no reason that I should receive a slate of proposed appointments less than 24 hours before my vote. So the process must be improved and we owe that to our community
0: one last thing we have mm-hmm. lots of other issues yes. to talk about but uh, one thing selena did say in the discussions she had in my podcast she did say you yourself jocelyn did raise some some valid points in your proposal on the appointment process for the council so she seemed to leave a door open for the future so i guess the question i would have for mm-hmm. you based on everything you've heard experienced discussions you've had, public or private, are you pessimistic or optimistic that changes may be on the way?
1: Well, I am optimistic that we will have a discussion about it as a body, Um, because frankly, that's very important to me, and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Um, This is something that's very important to me, But it's very important to our community. And if I can just share one little sideline fact that really is motivating me to make this an important issue. Um, And I am very optimistic that we will have a good conversation and get it done. But here's why it's important. Um, I participated in um, a group group called um, Racial Dialogue Circles this past fall. It is presented by a local organization called, um, uh, they're called RECON, Racial Equity Community Network. And it was six weeks of a very diverse group of, I don't know, I think we had 16 participants from the community, from Fishers, to dive into racial equity disparity and promising improvements that we can make to our community. I have learned so much uh, through these individuals and made such good friendships. But at the end, here's my point. At the end of the six weeks, we did an assessment about Fishers and and did like A through F grades on how we performed, how our perception of how our community performed in different areas. Um, Justice, education, leadership. And there were probably six or seven different, very important topics. Anyway, when our uh, questionnaires were gathered and aggregated together, leadership came out on top. And what we decided as a group, as a racial dialogue circle, a group of 16 diverse people from all corners of the community and representing all corners of the community, we realized that leadership opportunities – That represented the diversity of our community was the top priority. So that's what's motivating me. And this is something, as a city councilor, I can participate in and influence, hopefully, in a good, positive way. Because this is what our community wants.
0: I do want to move on to some other topics. And uh, when I had uh, Selena and David, the president and vice president of the council here in this same room to record a podcast just a week ago... I asked them about the proposed housing project from HAND. HAND is a, a nonprofit uh, headquartered in Noblesville, but they do work throughout Hamilton County and some majority areas for uh, to trying to provide housing for people who have trouble affording housing. There's a new proposal for a place called Cumberland Cottages, which is essentially 11 small cottage units, uh, two stories with carports proposed near a grassy area that's really not developed at 141st Street and Cumberland Road. When I asked them about that, neither one would commit. But I did see the uh, the live stream video of the plan commission meeting held recently, and the three city council members on that commission uh, voted for an unfavorable recommendation. There was only one commission member that voted against the un favorable recommendations so it's kind of a double negative only one person basically supported it the rest did not it's advisory it goes to the city council for for action one way or the other um i'm curious i think you've already commented on social media about this i did see that today so explain your view on on this particular project which will be coming before the council soon
1: that's true um i made it very clear. Actually, I was the person on the city council that made the motion to uh, move the proposal to the plan commission. This is something that I support strongly uh, for many reasons. And frankly, it's very connected to what we were just talking about. If Fishers is to be believed to be a smart, vibrant entrepreneurial community, we need to be open to we need to welcome challenges to the status quo. We need to value diversity everywhere in our community. And we need to do genuine work for equity. And affordable housing is a huge part of that. Um, I, there are many reasons I support this uh, proposal from hand. Uh, one of the primary ones is I'm very familiar with this organization and they do great work across the county this would be their first project in fishers the other thing like you i lived until just a few weeks ago right across the street like very close to this area i'm very familiar with this corner of fishers Um, i'm very familiar with the neighbors there i'm very familiar with the traffic there Um, i was horribly disappointed by our plan commission Uh, It is their prerogative to give a proposal a favorable or unfavorable uh, recommendation to council. However, I believe strongly if they are going to um, be so clear in their stance on a proposal one way or another, there must be tangible, measurable, important reasons to do that. And I was disappointed because I felt like uh, their unfavorable reaction was a lot of feelings and not a lot of reasons. And uh, frankly, as a community leader, I feel that uh, those feelings are valid. Those concerns are valid. Even that fear might be valid of something new, something out of the status quo. But as community leaders, and this is where diversity and representation fits in, we need to challenge all of us, leaders, residents, everyone, to not only look inside into those feelings which are valid, but look out into our community and really see what our community needs, and that means everyone and frankly if i 'm not saying this is the case, but if you are a, a, a seat on the plan commission for example, and you have never interacted with someone in our community that have been that has been worried about qualifying for a mortgage or paying their apartment rent on time. This is going to be very difficult for you to understand that affordable housing is important and should be a priority to our community. That's why representation, diversity, and equity is so important.
0: So based on what you've, what I've heard here and what I've seen before, you are going to be in favor of this when it's before the council. Then. Absolutely. Okay. Um, moving on to something else, the large COVID vaccination center, mm-hmm. it's open, it's located at the uh, former Marsh Grocery Store, it's right on 116th Street, just east of Brook School Road. I think that's the best way to, yes. to, to, to scope that out. It appears now the only obstacle to getting 1,600 doses out a day is the supply of the vaccine, yes. which is a national uh, issue at this point. And uh, so we are all in, in America waiting for more more of that uh, vaccine to become available. Uh, had a chance to be there when that... Uh, Ribbon cutting happened. There are a lot of people there. Uh, I see There's. Uh, they're only using a portion of the building. And I have to give the city crews tremendous credit. They turned that thing around, which had been abandoned, I'm sure, and Probably horrible not shape. in good shape. And within like two <laughs> or three weeks, it was spick and span clean, and they're ready to Great. expand out. So uh, your thoughts on Fishers and its approach to COVID, vaccination testing, the whole thing. Sure.
1: Well, um, I am grateful. I mean, how resourceful to take a facility that had been unused in our community and uh, make it uh, the place for, I'm sure, residents right now 65 and up uh, have the opportunity to get vaccinated. My aunt just got vaccinated this morning and It just, when when your loved one has an opportunity to get that first vaccine, there's a little bit of weight that comes off your shoulders. So I'm grateful. Um, I'll tell you what, I really want our Fishers Health Department to succeed and provide services, great services to Fishers. Um, And this vaccination clinic, Mass vaccination clinic. I'm happy to say uh, services not only Fisher's residents, but any Hoosier that qualifies and can make an appointment there. So I I like that. Hopefully we're also servicing our neighbors as well. That's important. For me though, um, as you know, I've had from the very beginning concerns about our health department. And I think what I would like to see, frankly, all the way around is a lot more information sharing, a lot more accountability this health department will be the most successful when they earn the trust of every resident in our community.
0: Well, that kind of it dovetails my next question. Yes. Which and I'll, I'll just ask you to specifically address sure. it uh, because the mayor has taken a lot of criticism. I think there were two votes on the health department. You voted yes on one and no on the other, if I, I recall correctly.
1: Yes. If I if I can say, I uh, was not in favor of the creation of the health department, but it passed. And then the second vote was for funding mm-hmm. for the health department, which was then uh, about to happen. So I did vote yeah, so you were, to fund.
0: Yes, you did vote to fund, and, and you've raised your concerns at the very beginning. But how would you – be a little more specific about sure. how you would assess this after not quite a year.
1: I'm not sure, Larry. And um, I, as a city councilor responsible for funding the health department – um, I don't I don't understand why we're I, I wish we were getting more information about how the health department was performing. Um, the last time as a body, as a council, we talked even about covid and the health department was November. Before that, it was July. I wish and actually President Stoller and I have talked about this and I'm, I'm hoping she can move this forward every month we need to have a status report from the Fishers Health Department. There, things are moving fast. They are doing good work. I know they are. But I do also know, first of all, I have a responsibility, I have, a, and my, my colleagues have a responsibility to be sure it is working as efficiently and as effectively as possible for all of our residents. But I really would like at least every month an open status report from the health department Uh, leadership or from Mayor Fadness to the council that is out in the open so that we can have some good dialogue, ask some good questions. Frankly, I and my colleagues could be the best advocates for the Fishers Health Department. I am not equipped to do that.
0: On another issue, the council recently held a work session uh, on updating the city's comprehensive plan. Now, whenever I use that term, eyes glaze over in the public.
1: <laughs> yes. So it's
0: really just a long-term look at how the major parts of government will be working: transportation, parks, uh, just you name it. Land use is a big one, and there's a whole long list of of issues which can have an impact on people's lives. Uh, you've so I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. It was a school board meeting uh, that came up as mm-hmm. you were still in. Uh, that session, but I did uh, get the opportunity to watch most of it. In fact, the mayor had to du- had to leave because he had a, another right. meeting to go to. So uh, my question to you is, as you listen to what's being discussed on the plan, which is now several years old and in needing of update, uh, how do you look at this?
1: Yes. Well, I'm I'm eager to dig into it. I'm happy to say um, that every city councilor and some residents – uh, have an opportunity to speak into the the new draft of that document, and it is a weighty document, but it 's an important one. Uh, guess which area i 'm going to be working on housing <laughs> Housing is very important to me so so this is something that i 'm um, very eager to participate in the housing chapter of the comprehensive plan. Um, So far, we've had some good conversations. For me, though, I thought what was lacking in the first version of the 2040 plan, which I believe is five years old. I think you're right about that. Um, I am looking for not only the two things, Um, the common agreed-upon facts. Uh, For example, in the housing chapter – it seems like we flip a lot. Uh, do we have too many apartments or not enough apartments? Let's get the facts on paper. Let's agree to a common set of facts so we're all working from that same kind of mindset. That's very important. Secondly, and this is the part I thought that was a little lacking last time. I just want to make sure that we're creating the strategy. So there it's a good document to show the vision and where we need to go not a lot on how we get there and even though things change and we have to be nimble um, that strategy that pathway that's what I want to see hopefully I can help contribute to that that's what I want to see in the new draft
0: Um, two more items before we wrap this up number one as far back as anybody can remember, Fisher's local government, being a, be it a town or a city, has been totally controlled by Republican elected officials. You know, I moved here in 1991. That's all I've, I've ever experienced here. And now we have the uh, situation where there are two city council members you are one, two of the nine uh, that are Democrats. Right. What's it like when you're in the minority like that?
1: Thank you. That's a great. That's a great question. Um, it's challenging. Um, I I think the challenges that I've encountered in the past year, year and a little bit, um, have stemmed from, uh, as you accurately pointed out, when only one. Uh, maybe like-minded set of individuals have had all the authority a uh, someone like me parachuting in uh, it's uncomfortable and um i do for, for
0: you or for them
1: oh well maybe for for all of us okay. but um to be on but, but to be honest like I've already, you know, I've been a community volunteer for a long time. I've known every city councilor and mayor Fadness for a long time and worked arm in arm with them. I think what has been the challenge is there seems to be a concern about changing the status quo. I, I get a lot of uh, concern or pushback. I'm choosing my words very carefully, Larry. Because I, I, I know this for sure, every sig- single city councilor wants what's best for this community. The, the, the um, challenge is we might see it differently about how we get there and what, where we wanna go. Um, the, the, um, the tension could be from uh, the like-minded group of people just wanting to keep things the same way it's always been, and I understand that. But I also know my job is to come in and to, not just for entertainment's sake, but for the betterment of our community, shine a light on those things that we could be doing better that maybe simply has slipped past them over these past few years. I am very confident that we can collaborate and work together, but it requires some things. It requires an openness to diverse thinking. I am sure that I am bringing forth some very valid concerns, probably some really great ideas, and they deserve to be listened to. And they don't deserve to be approved, but they do deserve to be listened to. I want to see a lot more transparency. I still very much feel like I'm not given access uh, to information that I'm sure that I need to serve well. And I know, like, if I'm struggling to get information, how is a citizen going to get information? Um, So that's something we need to work on. And that all comes to, like, again, diversity, right? Like, we as a community need to value diverse viewpoints. And as long as those doors are closed to diverse viewpoints, we are not going to be the community that we could be. So... Thank you for for asking that question. I want to wrap up by saying it is a privilege to serve my community, and it is a challenge, but I love it.
0: I do have one more question. Okay. (laughs) The uh, Democratic Party is going to be electing new leadership uh, just a few weeks from the time we speak. Uh, There's an entire slate of candidates led by Dana Colbert. There's another uh, person who's been involved in setting up uh, some of the city uh, Democratic clubs. I can't remember the his name, who is also running. Do you Kevin have any, Patterson. excuse me, thank yes. you for reminding me. I just, I should have written it down and I That's didn't. Okay. So thank you, for, you. So do you have anybody you're supporting? Do you have any thoughts on who should be leading the Hamilton County Democrats moving forward?
1: Well, first of all, I will say I, I don't have a vote. I'm not, I'm not a precinct chair, so I do not have a vote. Um, I have talked to both candidates for a long time and will continue to do so. Um, Frankly, I will say I am thrilled that we have multiple uh, individuals in our county that are willing to step up to, I'm pretty sure, a thankless job, a very difficult job to lead this party into the future. And I am so excited about the enthusiasm. I'm excited about the diversity. I'm excited about just the promise of this Democratic Party because they have a heart for serving our community. And I'm, I'm proud to uh, be a part of those conversations. So, um, yeah, that will be kind of a new chapter for the Democratic Party. And I promise uh, I, I will tell my folks across the county, keep your eye on the Democratic Party. Uh, they have the best intentions in mind and the best way to move forward, some great ideas to move forward, and I'm proud to be a part of it.
0: Well, even though you don't have a vote, you are one of the few elected officials in Hamilton County. So I'm sure you. So what you're saying is you're not taking sides at this point. You
1: know, um, not yet. I'm sure I will. So you'll be the first to know.
0: Well, thank you you very much uh, for joining me today. You just heard Jocelyn Vare. She is one of two Democratic city council people on the... Fisher City Council, uh, two of the nine, she's one of two of the nine members of that body. That, that has been the case ever since we moved to a second-class city. And uh, I want to thank uh, the Hamilton East Library, their Ignite Space, for allowing us uh, facility to record this today. I thank you for listening and ask you all to please be safe and be kind.